everybody. Welcome on in. This is a joint collaboration between Locked On Cougars, hosted by myself, Jay Catch. And I am joined today by a guy you have heard on Locked On Cougars, but I've also been on his podcast as well. So like I said, a joint collaboration with the KSL Campus Report. Sean Walker from KSL.com here with me. Sean, how are you, buddy? Jake, I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. I mean, we've been stuck on campus here at BYU for a couple hours, and I've been floating around to a couple high school campuses throughout the day. I'm just excited for the future. And uh, before I before I go any further, I just I just like to thank the men upstairs, thank my parents, oh, thank my coaches, uh, thank those who've always stood behind me. Uh, and I'd like to say that uh, I am committing the next four years to I'm not committing anywhere. No, I can't go for it. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. <laughs> yes, that is Sean Walker. We're doing a joint podcast. We're actually at the BYU Broadcast Building. We were both in attendance at BYU's National Signing Day press conference with Kalani Sitake and his assistant coaches. Had a chance to catch up with them, speak with them, get some of their thoughts on their signing class as a whole. So it's an exciting time. Of course, signing day is always one of those things that you never um, are fully prepared for, I suppose, but it's always fun when it comes because it – it flies by, it really feels like, because I feel like we were just here a year ago talking about the 2018 recruiting class. I know, it really does seem to fly by. And remember at that 2018 signing day press conference, um, we, uh, we had just barely learned about a guy, uh, an, a potential incoming freshman named Zach Wilson. Exactly. Um, I had just barely come from his basement where he made a decision to move from his Utah family to come to BYU. And... and uh, <laughs> And now here we are, and Zach is the starting quarterback who uh, won't be in spring ball. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, now we've got an entire new group of class headlined by 18 signees, uh, 18 return missionaries, I think, if my math serves correct. Correct. Four who signed today on the... What are we calling this? The real signing period? The traditional so signing period? This is National Signing Day. This is this is this is officially National Signing the Day. The official technical term is this is National Signing Day. And it, the funny thing is it's National Signing Day, but it actually opens up a window that extends for the next two months. So, yes. But that is important. So, it is technically the national signing period. Yeah, but the the early it's so officially the one in December, it's called the early signing period. It's yes. three days long. Three days, yeah. So, so, so this is so this is the, the national holiday that is National Signing Day. Yeah. Um, it was really nice with several banks on the Wasatch Front to also close in honor of the national holiday that or, is National Signing Day. Or the foot of snow that seemed to fall over. Maybe now. that too. That might have played into it as well. Uh, but I'm going to continue to believe that this is a national holiday and really kids need to be let out of school, banks need to close, like work should be optional. Um, this is... And I'm, I'm not, we've talked about this both on and off mic before, Jake. I'm not exactly a recruiting beatneck by any means. Um, if you wanted that for your podcast, I apologize. I'll call Mitch Harper next time. Shout out to Mitch, our good friend, mutual yes. acquaintance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so I'm not a huge recruiting beatnik, but I get really excited on this day just looking at the future of programs and looking at high school kids um, from where they were their freshman and sophomore year in high school to where they are now moving on to the next four years of college. Uh, it gets me excited. It gets me really, really pumped and really stoked for the future to see a whole bunch of hard work finally start to pay off both at the high school and the collegiate ranks. And so I, I would just like to celebrate the kids. No, it really is. Really for one day. 
because you really think about it, Sean, this is a life-changing experience for them. They have spent years plying their trade, in this case, particularly in the sport of football, all in the hopes of getting a collegiate scholarship. And I'm not talking just about BYU guys. I'm talking about the thousands and thousands of young men who have signed with the college of their choice today. So it's awesome to, t- it's awesome to see I'm with you. I do applaud each and every one of those young men who have signed. Uh, but we're here talking Maybe on that note, and we'll, yeah. we'll get to BYU yeah. here right now, but maybe on that no, maybe in a, maybe in a couple minutes uh, we can talk about some kids locally who didn't wind up signing at BYU we or even Utah or yeah. even Utah State uh, because there's a lot of talent here in the state of Utah and, and that's where most of our listenership is coming from. Sorry for those out of state, I apologize. But most no, of our listenership yeah. is coming from the state of Utah, and there are a lot of kids that are leaving the state, kind of spreading their wings to play college football. Um, but we can touch on those guys in a minute. Who? Let's let's dive right into the signing class, Jake. Okay. Who stands out to you, both among the fourteen kids that signed last December and then the four who came in today? Is, is there like a like a player or a position or a type of athlete maybe that stands out most to you as kind of signifying this overall class? Because I've I've got a couple of thoughts, both from today and from last December. Uh, but I want to turn okay. the floor over to you first on that. So my first thought is, okay, so let's let's run down. Okay, I'm going to start with the four guys who signed today. So I'm going to run down those names real quick. First, Dimitri Gallo. He's a JC product from Moreno Valley, California. Shout out to my buddies, the Lamatias, who are from Moreno Valley. They'll be happy to have one of their guys representing them from Moreno Valley at BYU. He's so J- well connected. I know, exactly. So well connected. High school teammate of mine. But he's from Mount San Jacinto College. He's a defensive back, six foot, 190 pounds. He is joined by also by Luke Andrada from Pueblo, Colorado. He went to Pueblo East High School. Listed officially by BYU as an athlete. He's a dual threat quarterback in high school. Expected to run track at BYU as well as play football. 5'10", 175 pounds. Javel Brown, another athlete, 6'1", 180, San Diego, California native out of Mira Mesa High School. And then Cade Albright, a defensive lineman is what BYU has him listed as, a 6'5", 215-pound pass rusher from San Juan Capistrano, California, and San Juan Hills High School. Um, And so getting to your question here, Sean, with those four guys right there, there's two things that that scream to me. Luke Andrada and Javel Brown listed as athletes simply due to their ability to play all over the field. Yeah, they fast. Yes. They fast. I think that's the big thing. Yeah, well, Andrada, like I said, he's expected to run track for BYU. Javel Brown easily could do the same thing. Andrada runs a 10.62 100 meters. We're talking legit track speed. There's a reason why the BYU track coaches are salivating over him and the BYU football coaches are salivating over that speed. They want to get it on the field. So that was one thing that stood out to me. And then Kate Albright, to me, Sean, I know he's expected to go he's on. He's not a, slow either. No, he's not. He's 215 pounds, but he he gets after guys with mm-hmm. a lot of really kind of short-term burst speed yeah, as, as an edge rusher. Yeah, as an edge rusher. He played rusher. mostly linebacker in high school, but he was, he's sort of that edge rusher role where he could really get into the backfield fast as well. So. Yeah, well, he he's going to go on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but I'm telling you, Sean, were he to forego that, I would have a hard time leaving him out of the two deep for BYU in 2019. I believe he is a true pass-rushing threat that BYU has been sorely lacking for a while now. Yeah, and a guy who BYU beat out a couple of Power 5 programs 
uh, for the services of Kate Albright. I know Utah was making a very big push for him mm-hmm. uh, really late. It almost looked for a second during his recruiting process like maybe Kyle Whittingham was going to wind up. And uh, UCLA, UCLA had a stranglehold on him for a while there, too, it, it appeared. So, yeah. yes, there, there, there was a – BYU had to beat him out, beat teams out to get his signature. They got it. So, I guess my overall thought is, Sean – the four guys that signed today, and Dimitri Gallo being a JC product, Ed Lamb, we were just at that press conference. Ed Lamb said that his bump and run coverage is incredible. So I think these four signees in this part period of the signing window, I think it screams to me athletic and speed. What do you what do you take away? No, that's that's exactly what I thought of, especially with these four players. And when I look at when I look at Luke Andrada in particular, um, this kid is so fast that even though he played mostly quarterback in high school, uh, mostly be- because of his speed and his athleticism, but he's also got a nice arm on him. Yes. Um, and I know BYU doesn't technically need a quarterback with this signing class. They just barely signed Jacob Conover, who's going on a mission as well. Um, and he's kind of the quarterback of the future in addition to several really young quarterbacks like the aforementioned Zach Wilson, yeah. Jaron Hall, uh, etc. But when you have a guy like Andrada and all of just the tangible football player um, yeah, tangibilities, really, yeah. the speed, the athleticism, the, the accuracy, the, the mind, all of that, it's really hard to pass that guy up, whether he's a quarterback or not. Yeah. Um, and so that's why he's probably going to wind up at wide receiver. There's a chance he could play running back, a chance he could play in the defensive backfield as well. But whatever it is, he's going to find his way onto the field. And, and I think this is a kid who can contribute right away either. I don't know if he's a, if he's a starter right away, but I think he plays uh, next year very easily. And I think he yeah. sees significant playing time. Well, Sean, on my podcast, I've had people with so with Locked On Cougars, those of you that listen to that podcast, and I'm sure you guys listen to KSL Campus Report, but I've had multiple times that we've no, talked about That's not true. You know that. Oh, we know it's true, though. But we've had multiple people reach out, and I've also talked about this on the podcast, that BYU has needed a guy that can take the top off the defense. Legit speed, can just go down the field and take a safety and a cornerback with them to help out the BYU offense. Well, you look at it, JaVel Brown and Luke Andrade, who are expected to do enroll right away for BYU this summer both have that speed in my mind to do just that yeah they had that a little bit a couple years ago with Jonah Turnham and yes. that top end speed who could really just sprint you know 70 yards downfield on a dime uh Luke Andrada looks a little bit like Jonah Turnham but with about four more inches um, Fair. I don't know if it's quite that much more, but Jonah wasn't a very big kid. Luke is listed at 5'10". He's every bit of that 5'10". Uh, he's not a huge guy, but he's coming up on six feet. Uh, definitely approaching six feet there. So, I mean, this is this is kind of that sort of same sort of player that, like you mentioned, can really take the top off of a defense and open up those inside lanes as well. Yeah, so, Sean... Uh I guess with the rest of this, I wanted to switch gears a little bit in here. And with BYU in particular, and I know the University of Utah, Utah State, and some of the other Western universities deal with uh, missionaries coming back from the mission field as part of their recruiting classes, but not in the same numbers that BYU does. So I wanted to uh, take volume, a minute. man, yeah. volume. I wanted to take a minute here and talk about the 18 returning missionaries slash new additions that BYU announced today, and get some of your thoughts on them. These are guys that have been gone for two years. These signed mainly in. In the 2017 recruiting class are now back off of LDS missions. Some maybe in the 2016 class and 2018 class with some new additions. But I look at the guys on this list, and there are some names on here that scream to me, BYU fans are going to be very excited to have them back on the field. 
Yeah, 100%. And I think I think one of the starting names that we we have to mention then right off the bat, since you bring that up, is uh, Chaz Ayu. Yes, who that's was, what I was thinking of. He was a, an all-around athlete, a quarterback at a, at at uh, both Westlake and Tiffew High School. I love how they will list him at Westview High School. Oh, they put him in Westview. What, what's Westview? We went to Westlake. Yeah. yeah. Um, your, your hometown now, Westlake yep. High School. Uh, so he was a quarterback in high school, played a lot of defense, kind of committed as a defense back. Um, and then they found that he was still getting bigger in mm-hmm. his frame, so they moved him over to flash linebacker. Now he's coming back six, at 60, 205 pounds uh, off of a mission, and he is fully ingrained in that linebacker core. He's probably initially going to be that straight-up flash linebacker, yep. but, I, I mean, at that size, assuming he's put on any weight at all, which news flash, return missionaries generally put on a little bit of weight or some sort of muscle mass or or something like that. Except for me, I lost 25 pounds on my mission. Go figure. (laughs) Don't worry, I gained back twice as much. Fair. uh, Since then. But but Chad's Chad's coming back two years older, two years bigger. I mean, you got to think he's fully ingrained now as a linebacker where he's a guy who could really leave his mark on this linebacking core. Yep, Um, yep. and, And then the other, I think... Probably the other biggest contributor going away who's now coming back is in the specialists. Yeah. Jake Oldroyd. Jake the Make. Yeah, Jake the Make. Who doesn't remember Jake Oldroyd and his game winning field goal in his first ever collegiate experience on the road against, sort of on the road, against Arizona University? A neutral site in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, but, but just another guy out of South Lake Carroll mm-hmm. uh, High School in Texas. Um, I think a lot of BYU fans are really looking forward to the... We're going to have to start covering the kicking competition in fall camp. Skyler Southam and yeah. Jake Oldroyd. I, I mean, that's... I, for one, can't wait for kicker updates. It's I can't fair. Um, but yeah, there are a couple other guys that I'm really looking forward to. Jackson McChesney stands out. Running back out of Lone Peak High School. Played a lot of wide receiver in high school. He's allegedly gotten significantly bigger on his mission as well. You want to talk about track speed. That's a kid that ran a sub eleven state second. champion in the hundred meters. Yeah, and the and the four by one relay. Yes, exactly. I believe I remember for sure. Um, yeah, de- definite speed right there. Uh, and he, he's a guy. A lot of BYU fans are concerned about the running back room, probably for good reason. Yes. Um, but he's a guy who I could see making an impact in that backfield. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think there's definitely an impact ability there because it's going to give him an opportunity, very minimum, to come in and get ready. I'm not sure when he gets back off of his mission, so it'll all kind of depend on the timing of that. Because a lot of these guys, there are, I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys who are mid-year enrollees of this group. So there's still 11 of them that are still on the mission field. They're not going to enroll till the summer. But you look at this list, and there's a lot of names here. One name that I'm – this is just me personally. And I was a guy that I saw play – a a lot when he was in high school here locally is Salofa Funa. He has a younger brother, Mace. You want to talk about a potential incoming running back. He's listed as a linebacker for BYU. Yeah. But Salofa Funa hit hard as a running back in Spanish He did. High school. And they recruited him as a linebacker because he's 6'2", 225 pounds. And these these numbers, where they list them at on this list, are the numbers, the, the, the measurements that they had before missions. So like you said, a lot of guys do come back having gained weight, maybe grew an inch or two. So it's going to change but they list him at 6'2 225 I'm with you Sean when I watched him play running back in particular at Spanish Fork High School I was like that guy's an absolute hammer out of the backfield but he did the same thing 
on defense. So regardless of where they end up lining him up, they have him listed at linebacker on this release from BYU. He is a kid that I feel like has flown under the radar simply due to the fact that he played at Spanish Fork High School, but I think he can be an impact player because that linebacking position in, in particular, we, we talked about this on, the, on my podcast, and I'm sure you talked about it too, it got hit hard due to graduation. But there are a number of linebackers coming back off missions. Solofa Funa, Ben Bywater, we already talked about Chaz Ayu, Preston Lewis on that list, Alec Mescala, and then also Keenan Peely. So there are a number of return missionary linebackers here, and they've all got to be looking at it saying, a lot of guys graduated, I've got an opportunity to play right away. Yeah, there are a lot of openings in that linebacker core and probably a lot of openings that could be filled by the end of the by the end of uh or not even the end, by like midway through fall camp by some of these newcomers, these return missionaries, um, and a couple of the the December signees that are gonna stick around as well. Yeah, so absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited to see those guys. And the, when you look at this list of guys coming back, there's also three tight ends here, Sean. Okay. Anybody that watched BYU significantly last year remembers how this offense morphed once tight ends really got started getting injured. We're talking about Marone Laulu-Pututau got injured. That kind of changed the offense. And then they kind of just kept dropping like flies. But three tight ends listed on this return missionary group, Donovan Hanna out of Queen Creek, Arizona, American Leadership Academy, Alema Pilimai, a guy that played both linebacker and tight end in his first year at BYU. He's from Tustin High School in Tustin, California. And then Isaac Rex. That last name should sound familiar if you're a BYU fan that's older than I guess would guess like, what, 15? Byron Rex was a legend for BYU. His son plays the same position as him and has got a lot of accolades. So I think that tight end group... Jeff Grimes has been no stranger to go in two and three tight end sets. These tight ends got to look at it and say, sweet, I get a chance to play. Yeah, and if you believe it's Dad Byron, uh, he he uh, he actually says that Isaac Rex is about uh, uh, tw- half the size and twice the athlete that he ever was at tight end, which, okay. is, which is something to salivate over, I guess, if you're a BYU fan in a lot of ways. He, he really, I mean, he obviously really likes his son, but but as a football player, as a specimen, I've, I've seen him do a couple of interviews uh, where he's really high on him there. And uh, Donovan Hanna, I really, really love this kid's film coming out of high school. Um, and I loved him even more because he was one of the sort of new guys or one of, one of the guys that was coached newly into football by a brand new offensive coordinator down at uh, American Leadership Academy in Queen Creek by one Maximus Hall. Yeah. You may remember. Only the winningest qu- quarterback in BYU football history. Yeah. So if you can get a pipeline back to BYU that's around Max Hall, I might be a little bit biased because I, I kind of grew up in Provo in the Max Hall age, if you will, but I don't think that's a bad place to tap. That's right. I really don't. And if Max really likes this Hennekin, again, I've seen his film. He's really good. Uh, he's got a nice frame, too, 6'4", 230. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, can, if you can tap into a little bit of the Max Hall gene, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, it's true, exactly, and he's been coached well, you can tell that. He's now gone on a mission, we'll see what what kind of shape he comes back in, but um, I guess, Sean, we'll take a break here in just a second, but looking at this class, I, I, I look at just, okay, we're talking about the February signings, the four guys who signed today, the 14 players who signed in December, nine of which I think are expected to leave on missions right away, and then 18 return missionaries or new additions coming into this I like the diversity, the skill sets, the athleticism. I think BYU 
has set themselves up with a lot of young guys who have got a lot of potential. Now it's on the coaching staff to get that potential out of these players. Yeah, I definitely like the diversity. There's not really one place that you kind of pinpoint and say this is what BYU was very obviously going after with this yeah. recruiting class. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because they did have a very young team. They have guys that are going to be moving into bigger roles uh, this coming year from, from you know, players who were already on this team. You know, th- there are obviously going to be holes to fill. There always are. We've talked about linebacker being, being one of them. Tight end's going to have several holes with uh, – Dallin Holger deciding to go on a mission um, after last year, so there will be plenty of competition in there. But there's not really a spot where you go, okay, it was very obvious that BYU wanted to get better in X. Yeah. It was simply, here are guys with a lot of, whether it's tangible or intangible facets about this game, let's go out and bring them in. And, And you'll actually hear a lot of coaches a lot of BYU coaches, I think, over this offseason talk about bringing guys who want to be at BYU. Absolutely. All right, Sean, let's step aside here. We'll come back. We're going to play an interview next. Fessy Satake had a chance to catch up with him after the signing uh, day press conference. Gave some of his thoughts on the wide receiving core in particular, because that's his position group, but also just talk about the speed and athleticism that BYU is trying to coach. So we'll talk about that next. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. This is a joint podcast, KSL Campus Report, also locked on Cougars. So we'll have more coming up here in a moment right here on the podcast. BYU signing day extravaganza. That's what I'm going to call it. The signing day extravaganza. This signing is a, day extravaganza. This is a, what is this, a roadshow? Yes, this is a roadshow. This is a collaborative podcast between the KSL Campus Report and Locked On Cougars, part of the Locked On Cougars podcast. And Sean, you may or may not know this, but smart speakers make life real easy if you are a, if you're a podcast listener. You know this? So I've been told. Yeah, so on. your KSL Campus Report, I assume, is available everywhere fine podcasts are to be found, if I'm not mistaken. You can find it on all the major subscribers. So it's the same thing with Locked Also, on not Cougars. enough ratings and reviews, so if I could plug that. Absolutely. Yeah, give him a rating and review on that for sure. But also, if you want to listen to either one of those podcasts, the KSL Campus Report or Locked on Cougars, all you have to do with your smart speaker is tell it, play podcast Locked on Cougars or play podcast Locked on KSL Campus Report. And guess what? It does all the hard work for you. It starts playing right away. It's genius. It's easy. It makes it real simple for you. So check it out. Yeah, get a little Alexa action going in on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe like Google Home or whatever. Yeah, just use that. All right, Sean, we uh, teased right before the break there. We were going to play an interview with Fessy Satake. Of course, he's the BYU wide receivers coach. He's done a great job with his position group, and he's got a number of guys who have signed in this class with him. I know that Luke Andrada and Javel Brown are two guys who could end up playing wide receiver. He's also added Keanu Hill out of Euless, Texas, and Trinity. High School down there in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, as well as Chase Roberts from American Fork High School in American Fork, Utah. So we had a chance to catch up with him, talk about those players, talk about his current position group, and also talk a little bit about just recruiting speed and athleticism. So here it is. Here's the interview with Fessy Satake, BYU wide receivers coach. 
one of the things that really stood out to me um, about some of the guys, especially some of the guys who have since come into the picture since December is speed. You guys, you've got a lot of speed coming yeah. in, whether it's guys like Luke, who may be wide receiver, may be a running back, um, may even be a DB. Right. Don't let Jeff know I said no, that. No, it's but, true. Yeah, but, I mean, he, yeah. in the same boat. Yeah, I mean, he could kind of play in that same way. Chase yeah. obviously has some really nice speed mm -hmm. in there. I mean, it, it seems like you guys tried to get faster, and I know that's probably usually the case, but was that sort of something you were looking at, was trying to get faster there on the edges with, uh, with you guys? Absolutely, no question. And, and um, kind of our, our philosophy is if, if you're going to, if you're going to miss on someone in recruiting, um, you better miss on speed. And by no means am I saying these guys are a miss. These guys are great, proven football players. Right. They're not just sheer track guys or, or specialize in any other sport. They are football players that happen to be really, really fast. And so we're not targeting these guys as a, the, uh, as a miss or their title as an athlete. Um, it just really is more is attributed to the fact that they can, that they're so athletic and they're so versatile in everything that they do. Speed is something that um, when BYU's had it, has they've they've thrived with it. You know, you think of, think about guys like going way back, at least when I was growing up, Ronnie Jenkin and James Dye, and then you got your Luke Staley's and and Austin Collies, and you go, when you have that speed, it just it brings a whole other element to your to your offense or or to your defense. And so these two guys, specifically who we've labeled as athletes this signing class, and Luke Andrada and Javel um, Brown, both those guys can play multiple positions. But the, and we're 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 just as curious where they'll end up. But the 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 common theme is they are just great athletes that can just run. So super excited. And if any of those guys end up as a wideout, I would love to give them both a try, trial at wideout. And, and and then that would be great. We have another element to our group that where we can you know stretch the field a little more and take the top off. So is there a little bit of a prototype with this offense now uh, of guys like I'm thinking of guys like Oliva who mm -hmm. are kind of that wide receiver but can also run the ball and get it out of the backfield and that kind of thing is there a little bit of that yeah. sort of with your group overall like we can't be afraid to, to sort of mix it up and right and do and do stuff like that again? absolutely yeah there's a factor of that um but it, it doesn't hasn't really changed from last year in terms of of we use every type um of receivers so there's there's we've just seen them more on film. exactly yeah. and and there's still exactly and there's and there's still so there's still no prototypical type but those guys bring do bring a lot of value they're a lot more versatile the Alevas and potentially maybe one of these guys we just signed but um, to be able to use these guys in multiple roles I mean there aren't, there aren't many other guys that we could have thrown in, and at tailback versus Western Michigan like we did with Leva he took some handoffs off so he he brings a lot of value in that regard there's no doubt in my mind Aleva can jump on the other side and be a great corner and so um, they're not the prototype but they do bring a ton of value um, but and you can see with the other receivers we signed in Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts they're big six three six four guys right who can who can kind of go high point balls and they bring a physical presence um, to the core as well so still looking for the best guys you know whether they're big or whether they're versatile and fast um, we'll take them off so I'm really glad you brought up Chase because um, actually just a couple miles away from his high school so I watched him probably like yeah. six seven eight times yeah. this year yeah. he impressed me every time yeah. uh, thought he was really good I saw you on TV earlier they brought up Chase and you kind of started beaming a little bit yeah. how excited are you to get your hands on on a prospect like Chase Roberts to, to see what you can make of him I guess so excited he's the, he's the type of guy that just he makes any coach look good and that's that's not the motive for my excitement um, um, but I truly have grown to just to love the kid and the type of person he is his character I've heard things about him that have just really impressed me 
um, that have nothing to do with football and the type of type of young man that he is, how he carries and conducts himself, um, the way he takes care of the classroom, how he treats his mom and dad and his siblings. Some of those things I've been able to see at a lot at a much more intimate level. Um, ha, ha, those are the things that have given me that reassurance and confirmation that that I'm going to love coaching this guy. And so I, the future is so bright for him as it is for all of our other signees. But um, in regards to Chase, I, I'm, I'm really excited for him to, to, you know, for the future after his mission. I know you guys can't talk publicly about walk-ons, obviously, so I won't ask you specifics or specific anybody or that kind of thing. But there are a couple of guys coming in in that walk-on class who kind of fit that sort of mold that we've been talking about a little bit. Yeah. It, it seems like how how important, I don't know how much you can address this, but, but how important is kind of the, the walk-on program at BYU and kind of trying to establish sort of a culture of walk-ons yeah. that, that Kalani's talking about here a little bit and, and it seems like it's it seems like there's a real emphasis in building this walk-on culture a yeah. bit, bringing us who are willing to walk on I guess. A absolutely. Is that, nope. is that fair? Or? Absolutely fair and the reason why I think we're able to thrive a lot more with preferred walk-ons is because of the niche program we're a part of. When there's an LDS kid um, who, who uh, takes pride in their academics this is naturally a place they gravitate towards and so us as coaches we're able to a lot of the times pull these kids from other scholarships that they have because they've dreamed of being here and so our job isn't so much to try and take them away from their scholarship but it's more to reinforce what they kind of grew up thinking their whole life that this is a place that they want to be and that they could thrive at and so you look at a guy like Dax Milne who we're able to award from last year at this time he's one of those guys I could not talk about but he had multiple scholarship offers um, I was recruiting him at Weber heavily and would have been ecstatic for him um, but he, this is a place he wanted to be and, and he earned a scholarship after one year's first game he started was against Wisconsin and that's that's a walk-on freshman you know so so he's a great example and I mean just historically with BYU Chad Lewis Dennis Pitta these are guys who've walked on who have become some of the all-time greats in this program and so we would be doing the, the the program our coaching staff our players we'd be doing all of them an injustice if we did not put as much um, emphasis on these preferred walk-ons as we do our signees it's just unfortunate we're we're uh, controlled by a number you know what I mean because they're all scholarship guys to us um, we've just got to be able to remind them of why we're going after them so hard because we really feel they can come here and do something so a great group I have it's a slot receiver and more of a bigger type receiver these two walk-ons who are coming in um, local guys that um, we're su super excited about all right, there you go. And that's Fessy Satake, a BYU wide receivers coach. Appreciate him taking the time. It's always good to catch up with these coaches, Sean. And you during signing day, you can tell coaches just kind of got this loose, happy feeling about them because it's the end of a long, hard road that they have they have carried on. And they, they still have to turn around and start recruiting the 2020 class pretty quick here. But start. Okay, fair. They've already been doing about it. They'll really get engrossed in it here in the near next little bit. But this does give them an ability to just step back for maybe a day or two and say, we're done. And then jump right back in. Yeah, maybe a day or two, but I mean, speaking speaking from a reporter's reference, I'm already thinking about that feature I've got to write this weekend on a 
on uh, Noah Sewell, the jewel of the Utah High School Football 2020 recruiting class. Yes, we're okay. We're going to talk about that next. We do need to talk about some of the other guys who've gone to other places. The state of Utah, Sean, is no longer a secret that the, the BYU can mine for talent. There are programs from all over the country coming into the state and recruiting. We're going to talk about some of those guys next and talk about a little bit about how it affects BYU and maybe how they can counter it going forward. So that'll be coming up next right here on the BYU Signing Day Extravaganza a collaborative podcast between the KSL Campus Report and Locked On Cougars. Back in a moment. back to the BYU Signing Day Extravaganza. I'm Jay Catch. He's Sean Walker. I host a podcast called Locked on Cougars. He hosts the KSL Campus Report. We've actually been on each other's podcasts multiple times as well. We are good friends, despite what other people may say about us. We still have a good time, but we're talking about BYU Signing Day, and we wanted to take a minute here and talk about some of the other guys locally that did not sign with BYU and are going elsewhere, whether that be another school in state or maybe even out of state, because I'm seeing more and more, Sean, Every year, more and more names of kids from the state of Utah going to programs in the Mountain West Conference, the Pac-12, Big 12, even into the SEC. They're, Utah is no longer the hidden gem that BYU mined for years. Yeah, there are a lot of coaches that are really catching on to the best-kept recruiting secret in the world that is Utah high school football. Um, and a lot of them, to, to bring it back kind of to your BYU audience, Jake, a lot of them are coming into BYU's backyard, like like almost quite literally their backyard. I'm thinking, for example, of a guy like Logan Sakapolo, mm-hmm. uh, who was the number seven center in the class of 2019 from Sky Ridge, who committed to Oregon, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep, he's going to be a duck. Yeah, he, he committed to Oregon despite BYU putting a lot of pressure on him. His parents are both big BYU fans. Obviously, he grew up right down the road in Lehigh. Um, and then uh, Utah was also really big on him as well. But he decides to go play Pac-12 football outside of the state in Eugene. Um, and you're right. We're, we're just we're seeing that more and more. We're the best kids in the state are no longer always limited, to, limited for lack of a better word, to just these just two or three in-state FBS institutions they're really starting to kind of spread their wings and broaden their horizons and and go to to these quote-unquote bigger programs yeah when they're going all over the place there are two guys from the state of Utah this year Sean one in BYU's literal backyard Boone Abbott the quarterback out of American Fork High School and then also Caden Hillborn he's an offensive lineman from Highland High School up in Salt Lake they're going to Hawaii Okay, Nick Rolovich, oh, you're gonna you're gonna hop in the fray here now too. Okay, yeah, it's it's no longer hey BYU gets their pick of the litter in state. It's you have to fight, scratch and claw for every guy you're gonna get. Yeah, and those are those are maybe the types of players that that um, BYU fans could be a little bit more concerned about as well because it's not necessarily a player who is who is so good and at the the top of so many recruiting lists and being recruited by so many top top level uh universities you know national championship contenders and the like like oregon i know oregon's been down the last couple of years but they're kind of still on that level you they were the at the elite world. level though yeah, yeah i mean if alabama or clemson comes into the state of utah and wants to offer a kid 
it's really, really hard for a high school kid to say no to that. Like, I think that's understandable. I think even most BYU fans will understand, like, that's a different level. You know, it, you, you pass on that. You, you do what you can to try to keep some of those kids, but that's probably going to happen. Um, losing kids to Hawaii, you know, losing there was a run for a while of losing kids to, like, UNLV, yes. uh, San Diego State. These are programs that that really schools like BYU and, and if we're looking by extension schools like Utah and Utah State also in state these these are programs that maybe uh, local coaches need to be a little bit more concerned about local kids finding spots at those schools not that you can't be happy for them for you know finding yeah. a college scholarship obviously but but maybe there's a little bit more concern at, at sort of that level that realm of football signings no it's true yeah you do you do have to be wary of that because they pick off one or two guys it's one or two guys that you're not getting and i want to talk take a minute here and talk about utah state in particular here sean because they took two guys that are which one of the 30 players that they signed today do you want to talk about at utah state well i want to talk about two of them in particular and they're both, there were 30 players there are 30 yes can we can we just get that out of the way 30 gary anderson signed 30 players okay, let's, in his first recruiting and, and we do have to clarify something here because the ncw rules stipulate you can only have 25 newcomers Gary's no dummy. He's playing the numbers. And there are guys going on LDS missions that will kind of help even things out for him as well. But Gary rec- recruited a lot of guys, plain and simple. He did. He had a lot of holdovers taking over the class that Matt Wells had recruited before he departed for Texas Tech. He held on to a lot of commits from that. But then Gary went out and just started hammering in-state kids and picked up a bunch of them. And I wanted to talk about two of them from Orem High School. Of course, Orem High School, we're talking, we're a stone's throw away, figuratively, where we're sitting here in Provo from hitting Orm High School with a rock, if you really... Yeah, it's about a five-minute drive. Yeah. Well, they stole two kids that I know BYU was interested in at least one of them very heavily as of last weekend, and talking about Cooper Lega and Hunter Hill. Cooper Lega, of course, is the starting quarterback. He's a three-time state champion in three different sports. Actually, well, it's multiple, multiple times state he's champion got, he's in got three sports. He's got a state championship in wrestling, a state championship in the javelin, and then two state titles with football. Yeah, so he's got multiple yeah, state so championships state across four, three different sports. But also Hunter Hill, one of his star offensive linemen, the head coach, head coach Jeremy Hill's son from Orem. Well, Gary Anderson came in and plucked two of the guys right out of BYU's backyard. So... BYU no longer has like a wall on the point of the mountain that extends south to southern Utah. The, the, it, Utah, Utah State, it is a free-for-all in-state now. Yeah, there's no more monopoly in, on, on Utah County. I mean, BYU coaches have to work mm-hmm. to bring kids into BYU. And, and, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about, about uh, I, I think Kalani Satake and his staff are trying to find guys who really want to come to BYU. Um, and you'll see that as more and more preferred walk-ons, for example, are trickling out. You're going to see a lot of that. But they're, they're trying to get guys who really want to come to BYU, so much so to guys who are sort of a little bit on the fence. They're going to find other chances and other opportunities and other offers, and they're probably going to jump at them really quick. Uh, somebody like Cooper Lega, I think, is a really good example who's got a brother who's going to be walking on uh, at BYU. I think he just came home from his mission. Gunner, Gunner. Lega, yeah. Um, he, yeah, he's going to be walking on here at BYU, and, and Cooper said, well, Gary Anderson came in, and he said, I can go compete for the quarterback job at, in Logan at Utah State, so why not go up there and follow my, my lead offensive tackle, my six foot six offensive tackle up yep. that way? 
you know, uh, he was telling me earlier today after he signed his letter, he said, Utah State's just far enough where I don't have to come home if I don't want to. But if I do want to, sure, why not? Okay, um, I like so that. So it's kind of that perfect length, that perfect distance for him uh, in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, you, you saw that. You, you've seen that some in the past. This isn't a new phenomenon, but you're just you're seeing that more and more and more. Um, and speaking of that BYU-Utah State connection in particular, I think you're going to see that more and more now with Gary Anderson back in Logan. Gary knows the game better than almost anybody in this state. He did it to build Utah State into what it was before he left. Matt Wells had a downturn but got it right back up. And guess what, Gary? All he's doing is picking up that ball and going forward with it. So it's going to be – in-state is going to be very interesting going forward because you have three guys who played – speaking of the FBS schools – you have three guys who grew up in this state, played football here. Mm-hmm. They understand this culture and everything about this state better than anybody, and they're all going to be fighting each other for it. And that even extends down into the FCS ranks because you have Jay Hill, a former Utah guy at Weber State. Speaking of a guy who grew up in Utah County. Exactly. Lehigh native. Lehigh, yeah, Lehigh High School grad. Uh, you go down to Southern Utah, Dixie State, and all, which is going to be joining FCS ranks here in a year. They're starting to gear up. And then also SUU. In-state is going to be a battleground for the foreseeable future because you have both outside programs and now six, quote-unquote, well, not quote-unquote, six Division I universities recruiting here. It's going to be, man, good luck. Yeah, it's a different ballgame than it's ever been before. Okay, Sean, we'd be doing people the disservice uh, without talking about Puka Nakua before we go here. I think that's going to be the last thing we touch on today. But Puka Nakua, he is the crown jewel in terms of in-state prospects in this recruiting class. He has been a long-time commit to USC. but Committed last summer, I think, last June. He's been committed for a long time. But he announced, was it late last night, early this morning, that he wasn't going to sign anywhere, at least today on National Signing Day? Was it last night when he officially came out with that? Yeah, well, so he was, he was actually set. Everything I've heard is, is he was um, planning on moving forward with announcing today, okay. National Signing Day, as yeah. of last night. Uh, we actually we saw him at a, Orem High had a basketball game yesterday. Okay. And he actually played, I think, 15, 16, 17 minutes, something like that. It was his first game since the first week of the season. I'm sure Golden Holt, a longtime Orem High basketball coach, loved that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it was his first game back. He's getting back into the swing of basketball. And, and he actually told a bunch of us there that he was planning on, on announcing his commitment and, and, and signing on the first day on National Signing Day. Uh, we'll wake up this morning, and a couple of reporters, shout out to Amy Donaldson of the Deseret News. She's the first one I saw who had it. Um, but there were, yeah, a couple of reporters started hearing from the family, Puka, his mother, um, a couple of others that Puka wasn't quite set on where he wanted to go. And that's simply just timing. Yeah. He doesn't feel like he can he like he's been able to properly sort of digest and think about a lot of these decisions that you mentioned at the start of the podcast. This is a life changing decision in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, and he just barely like he just barely came off of his last official visit to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week before that, he was at, at he was at Oregon. He's he had Pac twelve visits lined up in like three or four consecutive weeks. Um, Oh, and by the way, he also played, since Orem won their second straight state title back in November, he's also played in two All-American games, in the All-American Bowl in San Antonio and the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So it has been just a jam-packed winter for Puka Nakua. Um, he's been trying to decide where he wants to play while also taking a whole bunch of visits. Um, 
I will say this, and, and he, he hasn't formally announced anything. He's still officially committed to USC. But the longer this process goes on, if you're Clay Helton, you've got to be a little bit more and more worried about whether about how committed Puka Nakua really is to the University of Southern California. There are a lot of schools that are in play with this guy. He is the top unsigned recruit still in the state of Utah. And at, now, this, point, and at this point might be the top, top unsigned guy in the country. Yeah, he's, he's probably one of the top five unsigned kids in the country now at the end of National Signing Day. Um, and there are just so many schools that want his services. Um, BYU being one of them, Utah yeah. being one of them, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, Clemson and he, gave him an offer. He's got an offer from the reigning national champions. He uh, can play ball. Yeah, he's he's really good. He's certainly that good. Um, the the fire is probably heating up with with uh, USC, and it'll be really really interesting to watch where he winds up. Yeah, and yeah, let's run down the list here. So we, we do know about all those offers, Sean. We had, so I work, people, if they're listening to this that don't know, I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, and I'm a, I produce David James and Patrick Kinahan's morning show, DJ and PK in the morning. We had Brandon Huffman, who is one of the national recruiting experts for 24-7 sports, which is the foremost authority on high school football recruiting in my mind. He, he was on with DJ and PK this morning, and he, they asked him about Puka Nakua, and he said in his mind that USC, the school that Puka has been publicly, verbally committed to for a year now, might be running in fifth place. That should show you how much things have kind of been tipped on their head, at least in the last couple of days. You mentioned the fact that UCLA is now in the mix, Washington and Oregon also in the mix. You mentioned Clemson. Having that offer and BYU, I would not. If I'm, a, if I'm a BYU coach, I'm making a phone call right now saying, "Hey, Puka, I saw you didn't sign today. Hey, you know, um, we've got an opening down here. If you're interested, everybody should be on this kid." But I'm very interested to see where he goes. Uh, Maybe everybody except for Utah State because they barely signed 30 kids. Fair, case. okay. Well, what's 31? If you're going to go for 30, just add 31. No, but it. You look at it and. The way Brandon Huffman made it sound, Huffman made it sound like it's probably Washington or, or Oregon. So going back to our discussion earlier this segment, Sean, another elite talent in state going out of state potentially. But as long as his brother Samson, who plays at Utah, is in his ear, and he's also got an older brother Kai who played here at BYU, I'm sure is also saying, "Hey, why don't you just carry on the family legacy at BYU?" He's got a lot of options to wait here. He's got a lot of people in his ear. And I wish him nothing but the best of luck because it is a big-time decision for him to sit down and say, okay, where do I ultimately want to end up? Yeah. And, and where, not just for football, but for school as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Where do I fit in culturally? Where do I feel like academically I can succeed? There's a lot to weigh here, and it'll be interesting. We'll keep you updated on that on both of our Twitter feeds. You can find Sean. Well, you've got two different places they can find you. Actually, DSW, correct? Uh, yeah, and, and go follow us right now at KSLcom Sports. Yes. We're all over, yeah. me and Josh Furlong over at KSL.com. We're all over uh, signing day up and down the Wasatch Front over there. KSLcom yeah. Sports. So KSLcom Sports and then also his personal Twitter feed, actually DSW. You can find my stuff, my show Twitter feed, which I do a lot of work just recruiting-wise, is at LockedOnCougars. You also can follow me at Jacob C. Hatch for my personal Twitter feed. So, Sean, any final thoughts before we wrap up this lengthy signing day extravaganza? Uh, Locked on Cougars is just, it's the place I go. I told you this off mic, but I'll say it on mic. It's the place I go for my recruiting news. 
uh, especially rest in peace TBS. So. Yeah, total blue sports. I, yeah. I feel like it, on this day we need to maybe pour one out a little bit. Too. We do need to pour one TBS. out. We do, absolutely. But we'll keep it covered for you. It's a blast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to, the, to both of these podcasts, KSL Campus Report and Locked On Cougars. Love doing collaboration work with Sean. We'll do more of this going forward. We'll have some other voices that have covered recruiting and also just covered BYU in general on our podcast as well. So we'll have it all covered for you. But give us a follow. Give us that subscription. Also, please rate and review. And a reminder for you guys, with your smart speakers, use it. It makes it real simple to hear these podcasts. All you have to do is tell it, play podcast, insert name here. So play podcast Locked on Cougars or play podcast KSL Campus Report, and you will have the latest and greatest in BYU news right there for you. All right, with that, we are signing off. For Sean, I'm Jake. Thanks again for tuning in to our signing day extravaganza. We'll be back, I'm sure, soon. I'll be back tomorrow with Locked On Cougars in particular. I'm sure Sean will be back with KSL Campus Report soon. Have a great day.